Morning. Morning. I'm Randy Heron. Happy Fourth of July to everybody. It's a great day to be free, huh? Amen. For sure. Before I get started on my story, I, Sam and I had lunch a couple weeks ago. I was talking about this talk I'm going to have and showed me how much time I had. So she said, you can use your phone, but I figured that probably wouldn't be very good because I can't have, have time to see it. So my sweet wife let me have an egg timer. So I'm thinking to start this egg timer right here. We're going to make sure. Now, I, I'm a cardboard box sale. Many of you know if you know me. So you, you, I, I sell. So sometimes you talk to it. Like my old boss used to tell me, Mr. Terry, when somebody gives you an order, don't stand there and talk the whole time. Get out of there before he takes it away from you. So my propensity would be to talk a lot. I'm not going to try not to do that today. I can't tell you what a joy it is for me to have the opportunity to come stand here. <clears throat> it'll be hard because there'll be some moments where it's going to be hard for me because I'll tell you a little bit about um, how we got here. And this place has been a huge means of grace in all you have in my life and my family's life. And now my grandkids, you saw three of those here today. Yeah, that'd overwhelm a man if he thinks too much about it. So if I cry some today, y'all be, if, if, y'all, if y'all are okay with that, just know it's happy tears in my heart, okay? Before I start, I would like to pray. One time I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you several stories, but I'm going to tell you one. One time, many of you remember Cliff Tomlinson. Uh, that was about 1993, I believe. Cliff and his family, Cliff was 40, wife Terry, two children, John and Leah. Leah was in my Sunday school class. Cliff was healthy, he was an insurance guy, and then one day he was expecting a boat, and he died. He, he, I don't know if he had a heart attack or what it was, and he died. It was tragic, because y'all know life is joyful, but also life is tragic, right? So Cliff died, and so about four, it just, it really was something, because I knew Leah well, and my heart was, uh, so sad. And so, um, anyway, they asked, I don't know what we were, but I was supposed to speak this Sunday. They haven't been, they had not been back to church since that happened. It's about four weeks. I stood in that lectern right there, and as soon as I got ready to talk, they walked in the back door. And I was like, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to pass out right here because I don't have anything to say to people who have, who have lost their husband. Would you help me? And he came. And I want to tell you all something. That's what I'm asking for in this prayer today. The Holy Spirit came. It wouldn't have mattered if the president and the pope would have been sitting there. I, would have, I was able to speak not because I had anything, but because God's faithful. So let me pray for him today. Father, thank you for the opportunity that I have to stand in front of this body, this, this, this body of believers, this, this means of grace, these cloud of witnesses that have been so important in my life and my family's life. And Lord, I don't have anything to say about me. That's not, Lord, um, coming from you. Nothing good has ever come in my life It's not being from you. Will you ask your Holy Spirit now to speak? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, how we got here, so... Um, Mary and I got married in 1981, and my six-year-old football coach hired me in the box business, and he said, we're going to move you to, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, I'll move you to Birmingham, and the day before I left to go get married, they said, no, we're moving you to Nashville. So we came to Nashville in 1981, uh, lived out in Hermitage in an apartment, and then we moved across to Roland, uh, 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 condos out in, in Bellevue. Uh, and about 82 or 83, we came here for the first time. And Marion was raised Episcopalian, so we were looking for something that was a cross kind of between. I was always raised Methodist. We walked into the sanctuary, and it's like, dang, this kind of looks, feels like a little bit of an Episcopal church. So we started here in, in, in 1983. Uh, my children were all baptized here. Our children, I have three children. One of them here today, Rachel and her husband, Brian. Uh, they were all baptized here. Let me tell you a story. I, was, I think it was Rachel. It may have been Scott baptized I turned around and Rosemary Worley is standing sitting in that front pew and she's got a tear running down her face and I thought oh my 
she knew us a little bit, but this body of believers, Rosemary was saying she was with us in that as we were going to raise our children. Bible schools, I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> Y'all going to do Bible school next week? Those night Bible schools are legit because the dads get to be involved. We used to have some great Bible schools. Deb White was and Robin Shope put these great Bible schools out there. So we'd be in character on Bible schools. And one night I dressed up and I wanted to, like, I think I was being Jesus that night. And I had my robe on. I, think I, was, I, feeling I was looking good, right? <laughs> I felt good about that. And I walked out and Gray Dowsley, I remember Gray, Gray's about six years old. Gray Dowsley looks at me and he goes, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Like, Man, come on, dude, you just blew me up, right? But Youth Vision, Deb White, uh, Jeff Loring, Julie Thomas, when our kids got ready to go to youth group, we all met for a year and we just said, God, would you give us a new vision? Many of you in here, Lou and Mike, Hammonds, I mean, I, I can name all of y'all. Y'all are part of all that, right? And he brought, he did. And we, we took 100 on a mission trip the next year. Many of your kids, the Penny, Skip, Martin, I, I, I think Laura Lukert, I, I heard, was here today. Laura, are you here? Is that you back there? Great to see you. It was part of that. We were part of this thing that God was doing here at this church. So that's when we came. I can't, and the other thing I'll tell you about this, all three of my children are married. They've got spouses. One of them got married here, Rachel, who's here today. And I got to walk her down that aisle and give her to Brian Howell in this place that had baptized her. And many of you were here. So Bellmead Methodist Church and you people have been a huge part of my family. I want to thank you for that very much, and I'm very grateful for it. Can I tell you a little bit about my story? There's an old Bob Seger song that says, one of my favorite lines he says all these memories make me a wealthy soul all these memories make me a wealthy soul I would encourage you today to think about all the things in your life that make you a wealthy soul just all the things the good and the bad and as y'all know there's a lot of good there's a also there's a lot of hard stuff in life last week after Georgia talked I told her the only problem I had with what she said is I had to follow her Georgia <laughs> it was so stinking meaningful to hear how God has taken your story your parents, that whole, the whole death thing, all that, and, and used it for good. So as he has in all of our lives, right? Truthfully, if we think about it. Let me tell you where, kind of how all the faith kind of peace came for me. So my mom, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. My mom and dad met uh, in high school and were married. But my mother, she had, when she was uh, five years old, her mother died. So she moved in with her grandmother, would be my, would be my great-grandmother, Granny. They lived a block from East Lake United Methodist Church. So when my mom uh, was 11, she was going to leave that granny's house. Her, her father was going to remarry, and she's going to move in. She was so excited, and he drowned in a fishing accident. So she never, so her grandmother raised her a block from East Lake Methodist Church. Those people in that church raised my mom. I mean, that was the cloud of witnesses. I went back home recently and looked in an old, uh, an old directory, and I saw all those faces. It's what you do here. It's what we're doing here, right? This cloud of witnesses that are helping raise my mom. So they raised her. She married my dad. They, we stayed at that church our whole lives. My whole life, I had a village of people like this place is that says, hey, man, I believe in you. I see something in you. Let me show you what it is to follow Christ. Let me show you what it is when it's hard. Let me show you what it is because when you're little, you're looking to somebody to show us the way, right? I will tell you, young parents, do anything, do whatever you got to do to be able to plant the seed of faith, the, the seed of, of, of people in your children's life. Because you need more than you to do that. East Lake Methodist Church was that, was that place. I have a bro my brother, 
I have a younger brother. He is um, 16 months younger. Mike played football in North Alabama. He started a ministry called Campus Outreach. 30 years, they've grown it. There's 800 people across the world. He's now a pastor, senior pastor at First Presbyterian in Augusta, Georgia. I have a sister who's a nurse, who's a wonderful caregiver. <clears throat> my folks are still living um, at a place called Fairhaven, and my sister does a great job of taking care of my folks. Uh, so anyway, just this idea of what we're doing here is so much bigger than just coming to church on Sunday. And I'm so thankful that I had a place like East Lake United Methodist Church. They, they were the ones that pointed me in the way. The other thing I want to bring up, too, I know we've got a lot of tension in this country, a lot of racial tension. There's always been a lot. Growing up in Birmingham in the 60s, they blew up, I think, Second Street Baptist Church. I mean, Birmingham was a hard place, right? My father, we had a caregiver who... I loved like my mother. Her name is Nira Jones. Nira would take care of us. And, and I remember watching my father. He treated Nira like a queen. And she, he'd come home from work and she would, she would say, he'd say, uh, she, she'd say, Mr. President, how are you today? He'd say, Nira Jones, you've just been sitting with your feet up, just taking it easy. But I watched him when it flooded in Birmingham. My father get in the car with, and I remember I was with him, and the water was up to the side of our door, and he was going to get Nira Jones home. So racism wasn't an issue in my home because I saw my father and my mother love people no matter what your color was. That's the kind of lessons, those unseen lessons we learn. I'm so stinking thankful for that. You'll notice today on the, my title says, it takes a lifetime to learn how to live. I'll tell you a little bit about that. At the bottom, and also I want you to look at something. On the bottom of the program, on the bottom of the bulletin, it'll say sermon copyright information. And... I put that, I asked Sam if she'd put that down there for me. Sam, thank you for putting that down there for me. <laughs> Speaking about Sam real quick, I'm so stinking thankful you're here. I'm just so stinking thankful that God brought Sam and her family to this place. We needed Sam. We need the gifts that she has for us. And thank you. To lead us, right? To help lead us in this whole spiritual direction. To hold our hand, really, right? But anyway, so I asked Sam about that. And she put that down there. And what I want to point out to you, these are just a few of the people. None of the things I tell you today, spiritual things I've come up with, came on my own. I told you I'm a cardboard box salesman. But reading things and songs and things, I would get this nudge like, oh, that's right. So if you look on here, we live in a country now of extremes. You're either conservative or you're liberal. There ain't no in between. I don't believe that. Because if you look at this list of people, there'd be people theologically on here that you'd say, man, that's a conservative dude right there. Or you'd say, man, she's real, she's real liberal. Tell what I've found. I've found that God is in the middle. I'll talk a little bit about it in a minute with my wife. Mary and I would stop, we'll still not be married if God was not in the middle. The extremes are not where we want to be. I had a, a counselor tell me this week, I don't do politics. I thank God for people who do. I pray and I hope that we'll balance it all out with the extremes, we'll balance it out. But she told me this. She said her pastor last week talked about the history of the Democratic Party, the history of the Republican Party, and he was just talking about a historical set. He said, you know, when the, and I don't know, again, this is what she told me, so I'm, don't fact check me, but what... <laughs> What she said was, said that the Democratic Party was started with people who felt like we really need to take care of the poor and that we needed government to help us, you know, a group of people to help us do that, right? That's true. And said that the Republican Party was started by people who were about, let's pull up your bootstraps. You got to get, you got to, let's go get this. Let's go, you got to go to work. Well, if you look in the Bible, both of those are right. Both of those are right. Problem is, we forgot that we got to move to the middle. I got to hear what this side says and what this side says. And right here is where I believe God is. This idea that scripture says in John chapter 1, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
Jesus was a man full of grace and truth. To me, grace and truth are on opposite sides of each other. They would be extreme, maybe, you would think. It's right here somewhere in the middle. So that would be my political part for this Independence Day. Lord, help us, help us, help us. Lord, help us. This idea of it takes a lifetime to learn how to live. Richard Rohr is one of the guys on here. Richard wrote a book called Following Upward. It talks about the first and the second half of your life. So the first half of your life is about accumulating. It's about building your container, your brand, about uh, educating your children, about having a retirement, about all the things that you need to do. But what he said was, in the second half of your life, those lessons don't serve you well. And I believe this is why. As you know, the older you get, your losses start out way in your gains. That's the way this is. And so if internally, internally we're pushing for that first half thinking, as we get in the second half, it's not going to serve as well as we get ready to step out of here. I'll be 62 years old in a month. I'm hoping I'm late in the third quarter, but I might already be in the fourth. We had some dear brothers, some dear brothers who left this place too early. You've had people in your family. You've had spouses. None of us are guaranteed any of that, y'all. You know that. So I hope so. But I want to learn how to live in the second half of my life, which is being, and I believe this is what the story is, is to come more at peace with God, my neighbor, and myself. I think that's the story. I think that's what, what the second half can look like for me. When I started here, when I was here at this church, I was 22 years old. I'm 62 almost. My hair's white. I'm getting all these wrinkles, right? This circle of life's happening. I promise y'all, when I was Sam's age, I look at old people in the choir, I say, no, ain't never, ain't never going to be old like that. <laughs> You're just thinking that's not going to happen to you. You know, like, no way. But it does, because God knows what we, he knows we don't all need to live forever. This circle of life thing is for real. Caroline, one of my granddaughters that was here, she's seven now. July 1st, seven years ago, Marion's mom died of cancer. 30 days later, Caroline was born. This circle of life that God set up is big time, and I want to learn how to live in the second half of that. I don't know if y'all know Joseph Campbell. Does everybody know Joseph Campbell? Joseph Campbell, Methodist preacher, he, he, he called it the hero's journey. And what he, what he said was, we start our lives, it's like a circle, and we start to wake up, usually for guys about 30 years old. And as we wake up, we start to get these mentors or these nudges or these things that come at us that we start, oh, to start to help us see what really matters in life, right? And as we go, if we'll stay on that journey, if addiction doesn't take us out, if something doesn't take us out, we stay on this journey, and one day, hopefully, we come back more and more at peace with God, our neighbor, and ourselves, that when it's our time to step across to the other side, We'll be more like the baby that was born in here, that in, made in the image of God. We'll be less of us and just all about God. I don't know if that's possible, but I'm, I want to be on that journey. So, Scripture today, I'm going to read it to you. It says, for I am convinced, this is Paul, St. Paul. Now, y'all know about St. Paul, right? I had a little note card about him. He's beaten with rods three times. He was stoned a bunch. He had 40 lashes minus one. I don't know why they say it like that. A bunch, five times. He was shipwrecked. He was put in jail. He was chained. He faced death all the time. He was blinded. This is the same guy. This is the same guy who wrote this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How does somebody write that? How do you write it? The word convinced to me is, is a key to this deal. There's no way Paul started his journey and he was convinced of that. But God rescued him over and over and over. And so when he got ready to write this, dude was convinced. I bet you if you look at your life, because I'm going to tell you two or three stories of how he's rescued me. I bet you he's rescued you. I know he has, because this thing is not about us being good, y'all. It's about the goodness of God flowing through broken humans. So let me tell you a couple of those stories. I want to tell you one person that, that I got to see recently who was convinced. My Aunt Eva, I told you my mom moved in with her grandmother. Well, her grandmother's youngest daughter was Eva. Eva was nine years older than my mother. My mother was five. Eva was my mother's sister. She was the maid of honor at her wedding. She was just a wonderful, loving aunt. Oh, we should go to their house for Sunday lunch. Her cousins were two of my favorite all time. They're like my sisters, Kay and Anita. And so Aunt Eva was 90. She was doing great. She'd been in the choir at East Lake Methodist Church, y'all. I don't know if any of y'all can beat this. Y'all might can beat this, but we'll see. 70 years. Oh, yeah, 70 years at 90. I get a call from Kay one day, and she said, Mom's got hip pain. They've, they've, they've diagnosed her with a cancer in her hip. So I went to see her two weeks before she died. It's a great day. Her, Kay, and Anita, and I sat around her table. She told us all the stuff that's going on. She loved birds. She loved painting. She loved gardens. We talked about all that. She gave us stuff. I got ready to go. I went to the restroom before I got back in the car, drove to Nashville. She called me over, and she said, Hey, I want you to tell your mama something. I said, What is it? She, te- she said, Tell her. I'm not afraid to die. So I sat down. I said, and even why aren't you afraid to die? She said, all I've needed. <laughs> His hand has provided. She said, when I was 48, Uncle Sam died. I remember my Uncle Sam. He taught me how to tie a tie. He died. She said, I had two kids in college. What'd you do? She said, I just went back to work. I just went back to work. And everything worked out. She said, you see that little hospice bed in there? I don't need it yet. But when I do, it's there. What my Aunt Eva was saying, y'all, was that she was convinced because of her life experiences, because of experiencing the mercy and grace of God, that when she got ready, and two weeks later, she stepped out. She asked my cousin, Kay, she asked her a couple times, is the car packed? Can I go? Yes, Mama, you can go. She wanted to go plant a garden. I believe we'll see a really, I, I really see a nice garden. And we'll see a really nice garden when we step across my Aunt Eva. My Aunt Eva was convinced that neither death nor life nor sickness nor disease nor anything in the present nor anything in the past that nothing could separate her from the love of God in Jesus Christ. So stinking thankful for that. Okay, I believe since the beginning of time God's been trying to tell a story and this is what I believe it is. I believe he's been trying to bring the kingdom from heaven to earth since the beginning of time. If you, if you do the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's asking, I'm trying to bring it and we're all a part, if we choose to, to help try to bring, to help to bring that kingdom. Y'all know that there's an evil one in the world. I can't explain all of it, but you know there's evil. So I believe it's a big battle between the light and love of God and the darkness that I have tasted in my life, that I have gone down past. I swore I'd never go down to. I've tasted that. I know it is. But what he's saying is you can do this. I'm going to win this thing out ultimately, but you can be a part of this. 
And I think this idea that what God's really looking for in the kingdom is for us to come to love, know to love, love God, to love our neighbor, and to love ourselves. A couple of things that have really helped me in my journey when I get off, and I do, I fall in a ditch and get, I get scared. I, I just, I get scared and I fall off and I don't know what to do. Some things have really helped me by some of those people I told you about at the bottom of those copyright notes. But one is I this scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. But the seen things are temporary. The unseen things are eternal. The days I can fix my eyes and my heart on the unseen, it changes everything. Some days I'm overwhelmed with the seen, and I'm scared. I could say little man, but I'm not very little. I'm a scared tall man. But the days that I can fix this idea on the unseen, those days are really, really different. I think the other thing for me is I think images and how we see God are particularly important. Scripture talks all about different ways that the guys who wrote that, women who wrote that Bible saw God. This is the one I've chosen to live my life by. Y'all know the story. So they asked Jesus one day. It's in Luke, Luke 15. So what's God like, really? What the Pharisees were saying, what are you doing, man? I mean, what's this God thing? You're eating with sinners. Thank God Jesus ate with sinners. They're like, what's wrong with you? The religious people are saying, what's wrong with you? He said, let me tell you, like, he tells stories. Let me tell you what God's like. He told the lost sheep story. He told the lost coin story. And then he told the one that is the image that I've tried. When I see this image of God, it changes my life. See, y'all, because our paradigm, a paradigm is a mental picture of how you see something. Stephen Covey said, all your actions and all your attitudes flow from your paradigm, how you see it. That affects it. If you want to change something, he said, don't worry about your actions or your attitudes. Look at your paradigm. This is the paradigm, the same paradigm when I see God like this. It's the prodigal son story. He said, God is like the father in the story. Y'all know that story. The son said, give me my money. I don't want to stay here. I want everything that you're going to give me. Give it to me now. And he went and he blew it. And he said he found himself in a pig pen. And he was eating pig slop. I've been in a pig pen. I've been there. And he said when he came to his senses, he remembered his father's house. And even the servants didn't have to eat pig slop. The only, and he got out and he walked toward his father's home. When I came to my senses, and as I continue to come to my senses, I know where to walk home to. There's a father looking up. That image of God looking up the road. Man, I know what you did. I love you, man. What? Everything you told me, Lord, I went, I went and did my own thing. I love you. I've been looking up the road for you. That image of God that he'll never. So I don't know where you are today if you've been in any pig pens, but I encourage you. He's that, he's that father in the story. Jesus said he's the father in the story looking up the road for us. I praise his name, praise his name, praise his name. Because it's this idea, is God our critic? Is Jesus your critic and my critic, or is he our advocate? That paradigm right there changes my life. When, I, when I'm not feeling like I'm measuring up and i got to go prove something, i got to hope God's going to love me, I'm lost, man. When I remember, no, 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 dude, I already love you. That's what I want you to live from. Live from that love and let it change your life. But you don't have to change for me to love you. I already love you. Oh, you mean you're with me in this? Yeah, I'm with you in this. Change my life. The next last thing I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you a couple stories and I'm going to sit down. The other thing that for me was huge, 25 years ago, I was at somewhere and I heard this. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, because none of us do it right enough. None of us do. 
we, we all know ourselves. We have a voice in our head that tells us we do not measure up. You can come to church on Sunday, put, them, put your stuff on and do it, but we know we don't measure up. So I'm not righteous enough. I, I'm not doing it right, God. How am I going to be accepted? The scripture in Mark says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him, and said, Good teacher. He asked, What must I, what must I do for, to inherit eternal life? Jesus turned and said, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. No one is good. That revolutionized my life. What? So this is not about me being good to be accepted? Oh, no, no, no. You're already accepted. So then if any good comes from you, it's the grace and mercy of God working through you. What? Shazam, y'all, that's freedom. We got a free country. We can be free in our heart because what Jesus said was, no, no, there's only one, and it's not us. Oh, Thank you, Lord. Praise his name. Paul was convinced. Paul was convinced because he had been rescued. I'm going to tell you a couple quick stories. I'm checking my time, Sam. We good? We good? We good? Let me see where I'm at. We all right? All right. I don't want to be too much. All right. Don't, don't talk out my order. Mess my order up. All right. Uh, the first one is my wife. <clears throat> Real quick, I'm going to tell you about Marion. So I met her, I was in college, I played college basketball at Millsaps College. My, that summer between my junior and senior year, my story was, I'm going to know every girl at Millsaps that summer. That's a deal, for real. And I did. And I'm walking through the library, and she's sitting studying, and she, I, I smiled at her. I think I, she looked at me and smiled a little bit. I walked all the way to the end of the library, which was a long way. <laughs> and I got ready to ha- open the handle, and it's that voice. It's not audible. Y'all know it. It's in your spirit. It's like, you don't know her. I walked all the way back, opened the door, introduced myself to her. Saw her the first day in registration in a pink sundress. I almost passed out. And, I, and I mar- we married a year later. We've been married almost 40 years this year. We've been married, this is coming up 40 years. That scripture I told you about, grace and truth. Man, the Lord knew I needed a truth teller in my life. She's like, no, no, no. You can go that way if you want to. I'm not going with you. God loved me so much that he sent me this little person right here. I can't look at her because I'll cry. But our marriage was really stinking hard. The first 20 years, we almost killed each other. I'm not kidding you. That's not a kid. That's for real. Every counselor and every, just about in this town, we probably put most of our kids through college. But in, we were at a marriage retreat. Rachel was just born. We didn't know how to get out of it. I was passive aggressive. I was the gray side. Yes, honey, whatever. She's killing me on the other side. Mine is just as bad as hers is. I was looked at as the good guy. She was not. It was awful. And we were laying, after, we were laying, we, we just were, lay, we were taking a nap. We were like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I can't stand her. She can't stand me. What are we going to do? And slowly, but we said, we surrendered. Lord, help us. I don't want to, I don't blow this thing up. Help us, but I don't know what to do. Slowly but surely, through counseling, through a lot of grace, through a lot of counseling, through us going to some things to learn how to communicate, through a lot of just God's grace, she's my best friend. But she is God's greatest voice to me. Listen, God's a God of plan A's and a God of plan B's. If we would have blown that thing up, he would have been okay. God would, he, he would have met us in it. I'm so stinking thankful we didn't. And the only reason we're together is the goodness of God. He does not give up. If your plan A blew up, don't worry about it. He'll follow you in plan B. He's never going to leave you. 
I'm so thankful for my wife. The last one I want to tell you, and I'm going to sit down. Um, when Allie left, Allie's my youngest. Allie, I got to walk Allie down the aisle in Houston, Texas, and give her to Jordan Corona. Um, it was a great day of my life. I got to stand and watch my son, Scott, have his bride walk to him. My wife kept telling me, you're going to be involved in stuff. If you're not careful, you're going to lose yourself in the scene. You're going to miss the unseen stuff, which is knowing them really well. I'm so stinking thankful that she told me the truth. When Allie went to college, we all went, Mary and I both went, Whew. I was 50. Whoo, man, feels good. We never had alcohol in our house. We did a little bit, but it was never a part of our lifestyle. I'd go socially drink on a party or go to a ball game or something, but it wasn't something we knew because she had a grandmother who was an alcoholic. I had two grandfathers that were alcoholics. We weren't going, we just didn't. Man, when kids left, it was like just me and her. I went and started, I'd pick up a bottle of wine on, on the way home in the afternoons. That over six or seven years became daily what we did. About six years into it, I knew something had me. I didn't know what to do. So I read the, I wanted to read what the definition of alcoholism was, and I read it, and it said a physical dependency and a mental obsession. And I had it. That wasn't the physical dependency. I'm not telling you we wouldn't have. We didn't drink during the day, but we hadn't progressed that far. We were going. I was going there. But, buddy, at night, 5 o'clock, you got in my way. Sam, you call me 5 o'clock? No. I ain't, boop, you're, going to, you're going to voicemail. You call me, Penny? Nah, I don't have time. I don't have anything in me. It was killing my spiritual life. It was killing my heart. I didn't have anything for anybody. So once I read that, I knew I was in trouble. So what did God do? He rescued me like he rescued Paul. One Sunday, we got back from a vacation with my family. I ran, we both ran out of gas. I ran out of gas. She ran out of gas. We didn't have anything to give those kids. I would have kept drinking because I'm an, I'm, a, I'm an addict. I wouldn't stop. And I came back in on a Sunday. And she's laying on the floor, and she gets up, and she looks at me square in my face, and she said, I ain't doing this. I'm not going to finish my life like I want to finish it. I'm going to AA. And I went, I'll go with you. It's Tuesday, almost two years ago. It almost got me. I didn't realize the power of alcohol. I loved a glass of wine. Dang, I still could think I'd love one. I didn't realize, though, but what do you, <laughs> what do you, what God never does is he doesn't give up, and he, you started to tell me the truth, and then that you held my hand, and we've done it together. It's been the greatest two years of our life. It's been hard. I've had to learn how to feel life on life's terms. I have to deal with my fear. I have to, I haven't found anything now. I can't go medicate it. It's the greatest, one of the greatest things in my life, though, is becoming an alcoholic. So you're looking at one right here. If you've got that same struggle in your life, I hug your neck. Welcome to the club. He'll never give up on us. If you find yourself in a place you can't get out of, I've been there over and over. I promise you, he'll never give up. Just tell somebody and go get some help. All right, the last thing I want to tell you. I went out and looked at that columbarium. Mary and I have a plot out there. Edgar Jones showed me a plot with a little box. I said, Edgar, you know, I'm a ball. Well, I go to a ball game. I like to sit on the end of the row. Can you get me one on the end of the row? Edgar hooked me up with one on the end of the row. So I went out and looked at it today. There's so many saints from here that are there now. Some of them spouses are still here. Other ones have already gone home. They're, they're already on that other side. Some children are already, that was raised in this church, they're already on the other side. They're those cloud of witnesses. Y'all know we're all going there. I'm trying to get comfortable with that second half, so I really embrace that. Last story I want to tell you why I believe it's better than we ever thought. Marion's mom died, I told you. I went to the funeral. 
We're in Jackson, Mississippi at St. James Episcopal Church where we married. That's where I went to college. Several people in the choir, several people in leadership there were professors at Millsaps. So I knew their faces. Over the years, we'd been back probably 10 times. So I knew many of the people, but I couldn't tell you their name. So we're at the back of the church, and the urn is coming in. The pastor's leading it in. Mary and I are the last ones. And I got a hold of her hand. And as we're walking up, all these people turn, and they're smiling at us. Because y'all know, ain't nobody comes to your funeral don't like you. They were smiling. I could not tell you their names, but I knew their faces. And it's that voice again I was telling you about. That voice that just comes, you know it. It's come to you before. That voice said, this is what heaven's like. You're going to be walking in and that cloud of witnesses, and they're going to turn, and they're going to be looking at you, and they're going to be saying, I'm so glad you're here. I've been looking up the road for you. I know my aunt, even there doing a garden up there today. Many of your spouses, many of your loved ones, many of your children, they're going to be there, and they're going to be smiling, and they're going to be saying, I've been looking for you. I'm so stinking thankful you're here. Let's pray. Dear God, we can't even tell you how good you are. <clears throat> you never give up. Thank you for rescuing me over and over and over. Thank you for rescuing Marion and I and our marriage. Thank you for rescuing our families. Thank you for each person in this room that you've rescued, Lord. Help us to be convinced the more and more we taste of the goodness of God that there's nothing could ever separate us from you. And we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.